Hey everybody, this is So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. Uh, we're coming at you today, this week, whenever you're watching or listening, with a little bit of a special episode, a little bit of a bonus episode. That's right. I don't know. In a way it's not, but in a way it is. Um, today on the show, we're going to talk about uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet. So uh, before we go any further, this uh, episode will contain spoilers for Tenet. So if you do not wish to be spoiled for Tenet, do not listen to or watch this episode. Put away now. I, you know, unless you're watching it inverted, and then some, you can maybe, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the spoilers would be the beginning of the video for you. So you know, some you people, wait. some people don't have access to movie theaters yet. Some people are not comfortable going to movie theaters yet. All of which are reasonable reasons to not have seen this movie yet. But mm-hmm. uh, for those who have, let's talk about Tenet. Let's do um, it. Tenet was supposed to come out in July, but was famously delayed by the pandemic. Um, no. Right. But perhaps was the only movie, at least um, notably so, to have its director and studio kind of be, be very forceful about, no, this movie will come out if it's the last thing we do. <laughs> it will come out. So it did not experience the kind of delays that a lot of other movies have. Um, like I said, it, it came out, or it comes out this weekend, um, September 4th, and its original release date was the end of July. So it's, it's not far off its target. Some movies got moved a whole year. Of, it's been sort of week to week, really. Yeah. But once, once the major chains decided to reopen their doors, Warner Brothers said, Tenet is happening, um, and whether that's a good idea or not is for people to argue about, as I have seen them do mightily online. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, but let's uh, let's try to jump into this movie, I guess. Uh, it's a little different than what we're used to, because you know normally I would start with, who hasn't seen this movie before? Right. Uh, well, none of us had seen it before. Um, <laughs> so... I guess let's try to let's start with initial impressions. I think this is a hard movie to kind of do that with just because of how um, twisted the plot is and all that stuff. So I'll start with my initial impression. I, I, I genuinely enjoyed it and I, I liked it quite a bit. Um, yeah. It was fun. I thought it was fun. It was tense many a time. Um, for being two and a half hours, it often did not feel like it to me. Um, there were some parts where I was like, okay, what is, I, I'm tempted to check my watch. And I think those were mainly just some of the exposition heavy parts where they're getting into the, how time travel works. And I'm, I'm the type of viewer who I don't really care. Uh, if you tell me you can time travel in the movie, I, I, I don't need you to explain <laughs> how it works necessarily. Let's just do more time travel. Uh, but for the most part, I thought it went real quick. Um, I thought um, uh, John David Washington and Robert Pattinson had really great chemistry together. They were a cool team. Um, Kenneth Branagh was a pretty good villain. Mm-hmm. Much different turn from him than I think a lot of people are used to. Um, you know, when I think of 
I, I'm not super into Kenneth Branagh's work, so I, I, you know, I'm not like a super fan. But when I think of him as a villain, I, I just go to Gilderoy Lockhart in, in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, which is yeah. barely a villain. Yeah, in, um, incompetent villain. But he was scary. And Elizabeth Debicki was, um, is, um, you know, she was one of the characters I felt like wasn't really done justice. If I had an issue with it, it would be. I thought she could have had more time to shine, but overall, um, one of my issues is is I thought we could have used a little more character development for everyone. Um, so those, those those are my initial thoughts. Overall, a very fun movie that I enjoyed a lot with some little quibbles here and there. Mm-hmm. Who wants mm-hmm. to go next? Andrew wants to go next. Yeah, Andrew, what's up? He does. So. <clears throat> This movie, it took me, I want to say that I was very overwhelmed. I think that's my overall initial impression, was that I was overwhelmed. And one of the things that I did, that I was, I was having trouble with whenever we walked out was like, I, I was having trouble understanding some of the people over the sound effects, because mm-hmm. the sound effects were very heavy in that movie. Yeah. And... And uh, I, I did, there was an article that was recently posted. Uh, I think, was it Garrett that shared it? You don't even yeah. read our group chat. What's wrong with you? Yeah, Garrett, I, I think. What's wrong with there. you? <laughs> he, he said posted. It was in the group chat. Yeah, it was uh, from, from IndieWire. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, was about, me. About, I did it. I found it for you. You didn't even give me the damn credit for trying to come to your defense when 99% of the time I'm the one yelling at you. Yeah. That's good lord. I still I think this is a situation where both things can be true, where some people did have an issue with it, but also Andrew just can't hear. Let's save that deep <laughs> discussion for a little bit later and just do initial impressions right now. Yeah. Well, okay. Hey, well, Andrew's I, the one who wanted to go into it. I know, and I stopped him before. But that's part of your initial it. impression is 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 difficult. Had trouble hearing it with dialogue. It was, yes, <laughs> but like, um, but no. Overall, like after two days, two days later, after having first seen it, I one thing I loved was the effects. The effects, the acting was really good. Um, The plot is incredibly interesting. And if there's anything I can say about a Nolan movie, is that as complex as it is, and as many twists and turns, and how many directions it takes you, Mm -hmm. it's never not entertaining. Yeah, and like you can guarantee that he is if if it's got Nolan's name on it, no matter what it is, the the man's incredibly watchable, and this is no exception. High praise, inception. High praise, inception. Um, okay, David. Memento. All right, all right. I'm gonna tell you. We used to do. Long time listeners will remember. The one word challenge. Well, I'll tell you what, oh! I ain't got one word for you. I got two words. All right. Been all right. I got two words. Confusing and compelling. That is mm. what I walked away with for this movie because for the first part, well, the and doesn't count. It's not a part of that. Confusing, compelling. That's what it was because I had no idea what was going on for the first half of this movie. But that was somewhat intentional because yeah. by the second half of the movie, you go back to the first half of the movie where all the things that didn't make sense start making sense. It was a highly 
complex movie with a very unique storytelling component. This idea of inversion, things moving backwards, uh, uh, characters interacting with themselves, characters being in the same place at the same time in two different forms. It was, um, it was, I kept trying to wrap my head around the ideas because when they first explained things to you, it was like, okay, all right, that's great. Can you explain it a little bit more simply? I'm a dullard. Okay. Explain this to me like I'm five. You're explaining to it, me. You're explaining it like I'm 45. Just and a master's in physics. Figure it out. A, you know, simplify it a little more for me. But my, my real takeaway is that one of the undersung things I think about in this movie is going to be the performances and the stunt work, all that stuff was next level good for me. Uh, uh, the story, if you, the story on, on, its, on its base form might not be the most compelling movie you've ever seen, but the performances really bring it to life. The stunt work, the thing is, there's very little in terms of computer-generated visual effects in this movie. Yeah. A ton of practical effects, ton of, like, the, the fighting, the fighting, it, it, the, the inverted fighting is, for the most part, actual choreographed fighting that's made to like that they choreograph working on making themselves look like they're fighting backwards super impressive uh so yeah there you go that's my initial thoughts sweet uh for people listening to the podcast you uh, won't see (laughs) you won't see action it's a mind blown uh, emoji yes the mind blown emoji i've been saying that uh this movie has wrinkled my brain if you're a community fan you'll understand that reference um yeah so I've been thinking about it a lot and I really enjoyed it. Um, it's super complex. At no point in time did I ever feel like I was 75% sure what was happening at any point in time in the movie. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's a problem. I think general audiences that aren't super into like movies might struggle with it. Um, I think that a lot of them will like it but I think a lot of them will also be frustrated that they were so confused they have no idea what they're doing and that will turn them off. Um, I think that if you appreciate the performances and the stunt work and the story that it shows you, Mm -hmm. then you'll have a good time even if you don't understand it. But if you are trying to understand it and are so confused by trying to understand the idea, then you will be frustrated during those action scenes and things because you'll be so frustrated that you don't feel like you know because you don't know what's going on but it's not super necessary either it's a weird it does a good job of telling you the story giving you a complex idea but also as long as you understand the base level of that idea then you'll get it you don't have to understand the deep recesses of way that it works so if you can get that baseline down just be happy with that and then enjoy the other aspects of that movie Mm -hmm. Yeah, this to me is like the um, like perfect example of a summer blockbuster, right? Um, we've gotten so used to summer blockbusters being just superhero movies, and I think a lot of times we forget that um, that is just one aspect of it. And so this is really like summer blockbuster territory, where it's this huge... Um, Huge film, huge action, uh, huge ideas, um, huge stars, and um, it's like a one-off thing. It's not part of a franchise. Yeah. Um, knowing, knowing, no, knowing Christopher Nolan, it won't be. 
Not likely. There's not no not a snowball's chance in hell there will be a tenant too. You don't know. Um, yeah, okay. It would be fascinating. I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up. I'll bring it up. It would be fascinating if he ever decided that he wanted to do like a two-part story or something like He's that. He's already done a three-part story, y'all. I know that he has, but that wasn't so much his choice so much as it was right. what he was brought on to do. For him to create, much like, let's say, like Ryan Johnson with the Knives Out thing, for him to do something and to like really enjoy what he, like, what he did and the audience respond and him go, you know what? I will make another one with, of that. I will make an, a sequel to that based on his own, his own content. That would be really impressive if that ever happened one day. I, I'll bring something up at some point in time in this discussion. <laughs> I will say also that uh, technically the franchise here is Chris Nolan. That is the yes. franchise, is that Chris Nolan has earned a reputation as a director that he is the he's what you're going to see. It's like, what new thing has he come up with next? He built that legacy on really good films before Batman, and then he got huge with Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, and in between those, brought out Inception, which really captured a lot of people's imagination and has just continued to do really solid work. I think this was the first time it's felt like a big blockbuster in a little while, and I think that you, you're going to see the success. I think this is going to be the most successful um, movie since the pandemic started. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with that. Um, Christopher Nolan is a franchise in and of himself. He has kind of become one of the go-to directors for blockbusters, especially if you want an original idea. Um, you know, there's a lot of great directors out there who are doing blockbusters, but a lot of times they are doing franchise work, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you want an original idea, um, Chris, Christopher Nolan seems to be the go-to guy. Yeah. Um, at least right now. Uh, there's been speculation for years, it seems, maybe just months, but at least a couple years about what Tenet was going to be. And he's the kind of director that can um, foster that kind of conversation. Not a lot of them do that. Um, you know, you, you get some of that, a little bit of that from J.J. Abrams in the, in the few times he does original work, but it's been a while since he's done that. Um, but whenever his, I know, I agree. Whenever his name is attached to something um, pseudo-mysterious, there's always speculation about what it is. Um, and Chris Nolan is one of those guys, maybe the main guy right now. Um, but it was nice to get a true blockbuster um, when it, it, do, it, feel, it does feel like it's been a while. I agree with, with David on that, especially from an um, original perspective. You know, last year we got huge movies that weren't necessarily summer blockbusters. Um, Avengers Endgame, mm -hmm. uh, not really in the, not not really a summer movie. Star, uh, the Rise of Skywalker, not a summer movie. But those were like the two big, two massive movies of the past year. Mm -hmm. And it seems like we haven't had a real original massive hit like what Tenet could be, maybe since he did Interstellar. Yeah, let me. I'll, I'll I'll do some research on that while uh, Garrett and Andrew good. go on to your next um, whatever it is you guys want to talk about. Whether it's a sound <laughs> or if you guys want to talk about John David Washington, that would be a good place to start. He's the he is the protagonist, yeah. and that's not just uh, uh, his technical name. That is his name in the story. I'm going to go a completely different route oh. and talk about this potential, not potential sequel. I know that it's not uh, Nolan's way 
but he did set himself up if he chooses to. Um, at the very end, the, you talk about that the relationship between that protagonist and uh, Robert Pattinson's character have been together and known each other for a very long time. And we follow it from the, uh, we follow the movie from the perspective of John David Washington's character who is learning all of this stuff for the first time. But what we learn as the movie goes on is that he is a bigger picture in all of this plot. So there's a theoretical uh, possibility because again, Robert Patton says they've known each other for a really long time and we get into some trouble or something along those lines, leading it up to potentially setting up another continuing story of a tenant style mission involving different people, kind of like an anthology thing, as long as John David Washington or Robert Pattinson are there. I think a lot of that depends on a, if Nolan is inspired enough by this movie, because he won't do it just to do it. He has to have that idea. He's not a guy that's just going to be like, yeah, I'm going to do it mm-hmm. um, just to do it. But I also think that it has to be successful in the midst of this pandemic for that idea to even get kicked, to get started. Um, and I think that those two big stars have to align for that to be a thing, but it's not completely written out of the question because of the way that this movie works. And if they are trying to get to some kind of like bigger picture, and if there's so many other missions that they allegedly do from Robert Pattinson's perspective, we can follow along with John David Washington's character as he continues to learn what is going on, ultimately ending to where maybe he meets his bigger picture self in the future. You never know. Again, not guaranteed that's going to happen. I don't lean in that camp, but it is potential that is left open at the end of this movie. Just yeah, to, I mean, yeah, there's always potential, yeah. Uh, just to kind of follow up on that, I think this proves that, like, that originality in originality in Hollywood is still kind of there, but it's not. It's it's only in like the big name directors, and I'd love to see more of this come out, like, as as often as possible, because yeah, we see a bunch of franchise movies. Yes, we see we. There's tons of franchise movies being being churned out almost every year. We know that, but like, it's hard. It's very very rare that you get an epic film like this, with with somebody who's in complete total control. And the thing is, is that like Hollywood just needs to take more chances on this. They need to they need to do it because it's this type of like this gamble that really is probably going to pay off. So, but is it a gamble? It's I, Nolan. Yeah. Nolan all, again, we already talked about that. Christopher Nolan the is thing a is, of itself. We know that it's going to be interesting and strange and different, so we know we're going to get something original. But were this movie not a Christopher Nolan movie, then it'd be Bavarian. There's a, good, there's a good chance that it would bomb. Sure. It may not even bomb. It just wouldn't get that much attention. It probably wouldn't so, have been made. I, and, and that's here's, why Hollywood doesn't take that chance here, is because they know what works. And they're like, a, we're going to make money off of this. So if we keep doing this, we're going to make money. I don't want to take a risk because then I might lose money. And all the rich people don't want to lose money. Here's something nobody really wants to talk about. There are more original movies released every year than there are uh, adaptations. The thing is, blockbusters succeed more when they're adaptations of things people want to see in general. Um, but every year, there's... Tons of new comedies, tons of uh, dramas, tons of 
uh, all kinds of movies that are either original screenplays or, uh, or if they're not adaptations of, they might be adaptations, but they're adaptations of, you know, forgotten books and things like that, or books that haven't, don't really have like a big name recognition. But those yeah. things that really stand out are things like, yeah, you know, Rogue One, Star Wars, finding, you know, like uh, Pixar is a franchise in itself without having to, you know, uh, uh, without having to do sequels. I was going to say, do you count an animated movie as a blockbuster if it was released at the beginning of a summer? It would have to depend. I mean, I think a, a Pixar film it could uh, typically falls into blockbuster category, but, you know, a... Uh... <sighs> A DreamWorks or Sony Animation may not necessarily, but I think Pixar's right. brand recognition makes them. So, your your challenge becomes your challenge becomes finding because this is what this is why this movie I think will succeed. Granted, we're which it's it's just been coming out this week, but it is built on the fact that a big name director who has built up that kind of brand loyalty for himself is putting it out. You don't have that many directors these days doing it. Josh, you were talking about J.J. Abrams. I think, and this is, why I was, I, this is why I was initially disappointed with the project he's working on now when it was announced. I think someone like James Gunn could put out a movie like this and get a lot of attention to it because he has really forged himself an identity with the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise. Him coming out with his own new movie now, I feel like would do really, really well. Unfortunately, he got signed on to Suicide Squad, and I was like, oh, that's kind of a bummer because I really want to see what he comes up with with his own stuff now because a lot of people love Slither as sort of a cult uh, film. But like now, he's not James Gunn, the guy you haven't heard of. He's James Gunn, one of the most creative people in Hollywood. Um, I think he also does a lot of movies that are adaptations of things like Guardians of the Galaxy, while not the original people, is an adaptation from a comic. Um, and he's he did, made his own. He did Brightburn. Is that what it was called? I think he, he was just a producer he, he on just that. Just producer on that. He just produced it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but then he's done those two, and he has done original content. But in reality, it's been a little while since he's done original content. I know, and that's what I. That's what I'm saying. That's what I want from him. He, I think he could do that. He could do. Mm-hmm. He could have this kind of movie, uh, if <laughs> if given the opportunity to do his own original stuff again. Um, I think Ryan Coogler is headed towards that territory. Um, Black Panther, one of the biggest movies ever. And Black, uh, Black Panther 2 may or may not happen at this stage. But with also the, the success of the Creed films, I think, hey, now somebody, Disney or whoever, goes to Ryan and says, hey, what movie have you always wanted to tell? Give that guy his own, give this guy his own shot. Chris yeah. Nolan's earned being able to, to call his own shot. And, they'll, and, and Warner Brothers will give him 200 to $250 million to make a movie. There are mm-hmm. some other directors that have earned that, but I just don't know when we're going to get to see that from them. I agree. And I just, I just looked at, you know, you mentioned Ryan Coogler. I just looked at his filmography. He's every movie he's ever directed since his first has been a franchise film. Um, he made Fruitvale Station and then he's made a remake or a sequel or a spinoff every movie since then. Um, and they've all been really well received. And they have all been really well received, but it's like, why can't we get more Fruitvale Station <laughs> from some of these directors? And now um, I get that. I get that. Yeah. It's not like, it's not saying I don't, we don't want these great directors to helm franchises, but we also want them to get to show us what they're capable of creatively as well as just in a director's chair. Yes. Um, it's almost like Ryan Coogler kind of got the opposite where 
he did a he did an original movie that stood out and then got this franchise work and then it seemed like nolan didn't really get the chance to get a big budget until he made batman movies um it's weird how that works you know and and I don't know if it's the same for Ryan looking, you know, Taika Waititi is another guy who could do that right now too, I think. Yeah. Give him a big, anyway, but I don't know if he's really interested in action movies, but my who point, uh, point going forward here is um, Christopher Nolan himself, even going back to some of his earliest work, going back to say uh, even Memento, he has had a very unique style that has really helped him stand out. Uh, Christopher Nolan's big, big personal thing, I think is nonlinear storytelling. Um, and that returns here in probably one of the most unique ways he's ever done it before. And so I think that it's, we're lucky that Chris Nolan had got the level of attention that he got and he has this sort of platform because yeah, we get to have a cool original blockbuster like this. I've gone back. I'm trying to find something. Uh, so far I'm back to the year 2014 and I haven't found anything that I would, I would say is comparable to Tenet. Um, outside of some animated movies. Yeah, I believe it. Um, Andrew, what do you got? There's Interstellar. You can talk about the sound now if you'd like. Okay. So... <laughs> so someone posted this article. Yeah. Uh, out in the world. Don't know there's, who did it. There's several articles on it. There's one in Variety. There's one in IndieWire. But like when it comes to the sound effects, when it comes to the sound effects, there were times at which... I was having trouble like listening to the dialogue and, and I, I don't know for whatever reason I, I, there was just, I was being just kind of overwhelmed with sound. You got to turn the volume up on that hearing aid. But... Oh, do I? <laughs> yeah. You got to make sure it's turned on. Hey. All right. But like, nice. go ahead. No, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, to, An- to Andrew's credit, I also had trouble at times with this. I did too. Um, the music is pulsing throughout the film. It's not Hans Zimmer, but it is uh, an associate of his. And um, the sound effects are popping. I mean, the, the, in general, things are just loud, hard-hitting. And, uh, and I don't normally complain about this type of thing, but there's like eight different accents in this movie. So like trying to keep pay attention to what everybody's saying just got harder and harder for me. Like between yeah. like Pattinson's British, David's American, uh, 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 uh Russian, whatever, uh, Debicki was doing. And then there's like some Indian and other accents in there. It was just like, I'm sorry. What, what can you say that one more time, please? So there was a, there was a scene towards the end when, uh, Brana's character, I don't know what, it, I forget his name. Sator. Sator. When uh, he was on the phone, he was on the phone and he was doing this, he was speaking and he was speaking very slowly and we just kept, we just kept hearing the music and the sound effects and it, it would, it would like intercut back to him several times. And there were times when I, when I'm like, I'm trying to pay attention to him, I'm trying to listen to him and it would go back to him and then we hear like, gunfire and all this other shit and then like and then we then you go back to him and it, it go back to this go back to him and it, it would confuse me a little bit i'm like and he was speaking he was speaking very low i do know that but like not to i mean not to not to say anything bad about the sound design in the movie the sound design is amazing like you especially when it comes to a nolan film 
I mean, uh, if you take uh, if you take Dunkirk, the the sound effects on that were were incredible, and it kept you really on your toes. Like the sound effect was like one half of the movie. So, you know, maybe that's what he's doing here. Um, but uh, I think I remember Garrett saying about like, remember Garrett saying about like that like Christopher Nolan uses that as a tool. Y'all don't remember the whole controversy with Bane and the gas mask? I do. None of you Let me pop into that real quick because I, I actually genuinely did not know that was a thing. I really, honest in my heart, thought that people couldn't understand it because to this day, I think it's one of the worst voice impressions I've ever heard in my life. And so I will I, forever trash Tom Hardy for that. You can uh, correct me. I really I'm thought wrong, people just made fun of him because he sounded stupid. No, from my from my remembrance, um, when they dropped that clip in IMAX, a lot of people went online and complained that they could not understand what he was saying, and it was because he was constructed by the mask. Yeah. And Nolan, from what I remember, resisted and was like, "Just pay attention." Yeah, and then eventually, kind of let the reins go and changed it to where he could be a little more understandable. But ever since then, it's not been a, like, again, I'm not a, a Nolan uh, critic or anything, but he seems like a guy who's a purist and wants things to feel the way they feel in real life. So for me, one of the, the scenes in this movie that I struggled to hear was when they were on those hover boats and talking over the helmet and there was the, they were talking through microphones they were on the ocean going very fast and it was very difficult to hear. And I feel like he wants you to feel like what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. And well, the takeaway for me was, wow, yes, I did struggle to hear some things uh, in, in certain areas. Did not change anything about whether or not I knew what was going on in this movie. How many times have you yourself been in a situation where you don't hear someone and rather than go, huh, you go, Oh yeah, <laughs> okay. Doesn't change anything yeah. about what you're doing. That's what I don't care. Exactly, but <laughs> you don't necessarily like, what need are they to care. About? You don't need to know. I did because they're going to do what they said in the thing. So as long as you follow the action, yeah, you're getting what they're saying. You may not be able to hear it, Perhaps. but you can piece it together without needing that dialogue. So Maybe. I think I I may not agree with it, and I may want to hear it too. But in reality, if you look at it and he's trying to make it feel like a, like a real life thing, that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in this, in this IndieWire article, he's, Nolan is quoted as saying, I don't agree with the idea that you can only achieve clarity through dialogue. And I mean, I would have to agree with that because I, I, I came out of the movie also feeling like I did not, I don't feel like I lost anything due to the sound. No. Um, was I, I was confused frequently because of, you know, the story is convoluted. Um, but uh, yeah, at no point was I like, I didn't hear what they said and now I feel lost. Um, and I think it's because of that idea that if you get enough, that's enough. And I think the parts that really truly mattered um, were audible, at least to me. When we came, I remember when we came out, Andrew was the first one who was like, I couldn't hear anything. And I, I reacted the opposite way. I didn't feel that. And as I've sat with it for a while, I think maybe I just didn't notice because I felt like I could still follow. I felt like in general, I followed. Um, yeah. There were yeah. things, but the thing about, and, and, and this isn't unique to Nolan, but the thing about this particular story is there's a lot of code words. There's a lot of like, 
I ca- like I like uh, gosh, like words that are like very specific words that, you know, like names for special artifacts. And so when they say, you know, Oh, you want to get th- this thing? It's like, what is this thing? You know? So like I will be shown that at some point and that's great, but make, but it's also like, did I hear that? Right. Are they looking for, you know, like what do they, cause half the stuff is coded and if and I can understand the code, if, yeah. if it's just, set that up for me. I have a feeling that like a lot of his movies, this will be one where the second, third and fourth time I watch it, I'll get a lot more because I'll have a second yeah. chance to hear those things that, cause there's a lot of expositional stuff in the movie that is, they breeze by really quickly. Yeah. Um, but, but uh, you know, but in general, I thought it was, um, I, I understood what was happening for the most part. Uh, but there was times where I was like, man, I really can't, tell what exactly that was supposed to, I was supposed to get from that scene. Yeah. There's a little bit of that. And I think that that's just kind of the, the confusion of seeing this very um, complex movie for the first time. Cause it does definitely lend itself to repeated viewings, you know, even beyond the wanting to understand it better. You, the second you find out either, I don't know when it was halfway, three fourths of the way, whenever into the film, where we go essentially back in time and find out that the the two leads had been interacting with themselves periodically without us knowing it. Um, that's instantly like, oh, I can't wait to go back and watch it again and right. and and see those scenes, knowing what I didn't know b- before. Because you know, I already I already gave a spoiler warning, but I feel like I have to do it again. This, this episode's full of spoilers. When when we found out that when they were running through the, the bank vaults that, that Rob and John got into a fight with themselves mm. uh, blew my mind because that never even crossed my mind the first time it happened. Uh, I never even it. questioned who those people were. I was like, I don't yeah. care. They're some thugs. Yeah. And I, whenever I, whenever they got to, they started moving towards the plane that was already yeah. on fire. I was like, Oh yeah. I was like, of course, of course it's brilliant. Um, you all aren't going to believe me, but I guessed that it was them when they were fighting each other. However, I thought that Robert Pattinson um, found, like, saw himself and not J.D. Dub. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only reason that I kind of pieced that together is because you see him take that helmet off and then he's like stunned. And then he doesn't do anything else. He runs the opposite way. Mm-hmm. And then when they meet up again, he says, did you get him? And he said, yeah, I took care of it. And he didn't do anything. And I was like, right. oh, that was clearly somebody. I I had an inkling there was something going on there. But at that time, you really didn't know, have any way of really confirming or knowing exactly right. what it was going to be. Because like, like you said, I noticed that and I took note of it. Like, that's an interest. That was an interesting thing. Yeah. What just happened there? Because he clearly didn't kill that guy or beat him. Mm-hmm. But what happened? And we'll find out at some point. I thought maybe he has a secret. Maybe he's a bad guy. Maybe he's working for the bad. You know, it could have been that's- any number of that point. Yeah, that's the misdirect that I went with because we're given a couple misdirects to think that maybe mm-hmm. Rob is um, a bad guy. And that's what I th- assumed the whole time until we learned otherwise. I never questioned that it would be themselves. Um, and I think it's because I didn't, I didn't really come into this movie knowing that it was going to be that kind of time travel movie. Yeah. Um, I didn't expect it to actually go back in time mm-hmm. in that way that we're kind of used to in other movies. Um, but I do want to pivot that into another conversation, which is of what I think is the the coolest scene in the whole movie. And it's, well, 
Ooh, that's tough to say. No, it was pretty dang cool. Um, yeah. And it's kind of a two-parter. Um, Nolan made a lot of news. Um, I don't even remember when it is anymore because time is a social construct and I haven't known what day it is since March. But um, he made some headlines for crashing a real plane, uh, a real yeah. cargo plane. That was, as, you, as you said earlier, David, there's very few uh, CGI effects. It's a lot of practical effects. And the plane crash scene is this massive cargo plane that they literally crashed into a building. And I, man, you can't beat practical effects. Nope. You can't. It, you no. could feel it. I felt like I could feel it. The weight of it, the, the size of it, and it just is on a runaway course for this building. And yeah, you're right. like, oh my God, I can't wait to see it hit. And then we go away from it a little bit, and we come, when we come back later, it's all burning and falling apart and explosions. This is a blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that no, scene and, from, and, the, from start to finish when they are like building up towards it, you know something's going to happen there. They're like holding their breath and they're walking through this whole thing. And then they go through the vaults and they find out how long they have to hold their seconds for. You know they're up to something. And then going back to the effects, and David, this is something you mentioned, uh, they choreographed the fights to look like they were kind of going backwards. And yeah. I remember watching the scene where John David Washington is uh, fighting the guy with the face mask. And, I, and maybe it was just the construct of this movie and it was my own eyes playing games with me. But when I was watching that fight for the first time, it looked like the guy in the, the covering was fighting in reverse in places. Like, yeah, like the movie yeah. in reverse, but just his part of the but movie. But just his part. And it was so crazy. And then there was, a, and, but I wasn't sure if that was actually a thing because at another point in time when they're doing the highway chase and John David Washington is jumping from car to car, it also looked like he was going in reverse in some parts, but he wasn't there. So like, your brain just kind of plays tricks on you, but I think that he was actually fighting kind of backwards in that particular scene, and it was wow. Yeah, Warner Brothers, um, Warner Brothers YouTube page has a, a video up right now, a behind the scenes where they talk about um, how how hard they work to do most of this stuff in camera. That's not to say there's no there's zero visual effects in the movie, like like computer like after like post production visual effects, but very very few uh, compared to most movies. Um, I mean, Parasite has more visual effects, I think, at the end of the day than this movie. Um, it is uh, a credit to what Nolan wants to do, credit to the stunt performers for this movie, because as you'll see in the video, they had to learn a whole new way of fighting just to bring some of this stuff to life and a whole new way of doing car scenes <laughs> um, because they actually did crash those cars uh, uh, and drive them backwards at like super top speeds. Um, yeah, and and... It's a technically it, it's a movie that like I struggled at first right after I saw it with whether or not this is the best movie I've seen this year because I thought I feel like it might be but I'm trying to finger I'm, I'm really trying to process if it's just because of the if it's just because of the hype that hasn't worn off yet if there's something that I would dislike if I watched it again you know I feel like right now it is the best movie I've seen this year yeah yeah, I I have ranked it in my letterbox list, but my 2020 list is private right now, so y'all will never know where it is. <laughs> uh, but I but I'm I don't know that it's the final place, mm -hmm. and I'm also struggling with it. But you know, I think it's just because of recency bias. Like every time I go see a movie, nine times out of ten, I'm like, oh, that was the best movie I've seen all year. And then right. I think about it for a day, and I'm like, actually, it was like 15 or 20. <laughs> 
But no, Tenet is extremely good, and I can, you know, I don't know what the rest of the year holds. <laughs> I, it's hard I to say. Does anybody? But I'm fairly confident will it will land in my top three. Not a lot of movies to go, so exactly. not a lot of not a, not a lot of big movies anyway. Yeah. Um, do we want to talk about just briefly here? Um, John David Washington, I thought was really good. Yes, he's a great, great actor. Um, always glad to see him again. Um, you know, Boy, he what? More, I was just saying, more, more action stuff for him. He when he was fighting, he looked like he was destroying dudes. Like, yeah, yeah. he had that fight scene in the kitchen that was very brief, but he was just yeah. like, I mean. Dude, he took a cheese grater to that man's face. Oh my oh, god! Like it was nothing too. It was not like so like, like a what big cheese grater too. A big one. That was so painful. Listen, yeah. I don't react a lot in movies, so it takes a lot for me to like react in in a way that's more than like like a facial react. But when that happened, my hands flew up in the air, and I was like, "Oh my god!" He just grated that man's face. Yeah. Yeah, it was, and, and, and like nonchalantly just shoves a bunch of plates into a guy's head. Um, and man, he was, there was, there's two scenes where he's like running like full sprint. And I was like, good grief. Has anybody ever run this fast in a movie before? That was only like, Tom Cruise. Yeah. No, true. Booking it, man. He was booking. Dude, run. You um, know, I, yeah, I'm just, John David Washington is so good. Um, you know, he's, he's older than us, but, but still a fairly young actor. Um, I don't know. Andrew might be older. No, he's not. He's. I just looked. He's thirty six. You're fine. Um, okay. But it's cool. so good to see him get more of these roles because my my first experience with him, is, and I think a lot of people's, was was Black Klansman a couple of years ago, um, with him and Adam Driver, and that he was great in that movie. And then when I heard he was gonna he was joining Christopher Nolan's new movie, it's like, oh man, it's really on now. Uh, because that's basically like how how is like how to get big time 101 is yeah. to star in a new chris nolan movie like as you as your star starts to rise yeah it'll be interesting um, if he becomes like a nolan regular yeah it could be uh maybe he'll be the next michael kane who is in this movie Pretty i assume cool. for contractual obligations because <laughs> yeah. he doesn't really <laughs> offer anything but he is no. there yeah, he's there. Yeah, he gives a wild... some level of information to somebody. I don't. Yeah. Wild, he's... wild prediction. I think there's a chance that this was Michael Caine's last movie, and only here's why: because his name was Michael, and there was a specific scene where the lead character goes, "Goodbye, Sir Michael," and then walked away. And you you really read into that one line. <laughs> I did. I did. It wouldn't surprise. I mean, it makes perfect sense. He would go out in a Nolan. Yeah. You think because he's going to retire soon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because he's going to retire. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do want to okay. jump on one real quick thing that we can talk about if you want, but like the uh, character development. Well, I agree. It didn't have it. I don't yeah. think this movie could have handled it. No. There's so much going on that is so in depth that I don't think that you could have given them a ton of character development outside of what they got. And mm-hmm. I, re- and I, I've read some things that think mm-hmm. uh, David Washington's character didn't get as much uh, character development as everybody else. And I disagree with that. Because he had so much going on. He was trying to learn everything. He, was, he, he learned about this bigger picture thing. And mm-hmm. he was the only one who at any point in time genuinely cared for another person. Um, he cared for Elizabeth Debicki's character. 
and it, and it showed through. Like he was doing, he was using her, but he also cared about her and wanted to make sure that she stayed safe. We would find out from the phone calls. Um, so I think there is character development there, but I think it's as much as this movie could handle because you can't really deep dive into these people and go through this time loop revolving door that you have. There's, there's just too much and you have to focus on one. And yeah. the plot point is going to be much more confusing and difficult. And again, if they do another one, then you can kind of dive into those characters more. And if not, then you don't need to, I don't think. I don't think that this movie is a character movie, really. No. It's a heist movie. Yeah, it's packed with stuff. It, it's I mean, more... There's, there's tons of scene changes. So, Go, Andrew. Okay, it's more, it's more plot-based because when I look at it, it's like a lot of... Not all of them, but a lot of, of uh, Christopher Nolan movies are... There's not a lot, a lot of character development, per se. But there is like there are interesting people who are just put in extraordinary situations, and and if you look at it, it like the Dark Knight. Uh, the Dark Knight that yeah yeah you were born uh, the the Dark Knight. Um, Christopher Nolan's Joker wanted to be absolute, mm-hmm. so he didn't want to have any type of character background whatsoever. If you take a look at sure. uh, if you take a look at Dunkirk, Dunkirk is not. There's hardly any development of characters in that whatsoever. If you take a look at Interstellar, now Interstellar is a little bit more a little bit more family based. Like there's Interstellar is super character based. Yeah, there's there's more there's more of a family connection there. Yeah. Um, Inception, I mean there is, but like but what I'm trying to say but it's here mostly is mostly one. Yeah, just yeah. just like, like one it's mostly just Cobb is in terms of character. Yeah, that, like give him like a lot to really chew on there. But, sure. Yeah, but like, but like, there's. I mean, if if yeah, I agree. If you were to try to like fit like some sort of character development in this, I think it would just be way too much. Yeah, possibly. It only needs that, to. It only needed to be one for this movie. I think, and it, it, it's really just the protagonist, yeah. um, because you can't. I mean, I don't know. I'm an idiot. I, I don't write big movies like this. But I, I assume it would be extremely difficult to give much development or depth to Neil, for example, because part of the, his entire reveal is that he's known the protagonist this whole time, but you can't go into his past without ruining that. So that's mm-hmm. fine. Then yeah. you got um, Elizabeth Debicki's character, who... I really think is n- I, I, I I don't think it's been enough days for me to articulate this well, but I still just really don't think her character was really done justice because there's a lot of like why are you here to me um, with her. She becomes very I mean she's integral to the story. She does become integral to the story, story um, but, but it's because she's um, I forgot his name. Sator. Sator. Yeah. Uh, her. His wife. His wife. Uh, I didn't yeah. really. Yeah. Strange. So, because she has a lot of weird stuff going on with their son, that is kind of just kind of peppered in, and yeah. um, she kind of just serves to do the final, the kill at the end, which she was not supposed to do, and they determined that it didn't matter either way. So it's kind of like, 
you had her there for all of that just to say it didn't matter if you kept him alive or not. And that's where I feel like she she wasn't quite done as well as I would have liked. I don't know. I have to watch it again to really think about that as much because it seemed like for me, she had the most emotional investment in the story. Whereas for John David Washington's character, for the protagonist, this is a mission for Robert Pattinson's character. This is like a very important mission for him because this is the mission where he met his mentor, if you will. Um, and for obviously for Kenneth Branagh's character, Sator, it's his like, he's, he's very emotionally invested, but he's very emotionally invested in like the desire to, for destruction. She's emotionally invested because she wants personal revenge. So I, I, I think that you're yeah, right. I don't they disagree with that. They could have dedicated more to her personal involvement in the story because she does spend a little bit of this movie sort of unconscious. But I think that, um, there is some, there is something there and maybe it'll stand out more. Uh, it's yeah. just hard to catch it all at once because there's so many levels to the movie going on. And then if we had just gotten a little bit more of, I think, um, the protagonist kind of dealing with this, um, maybe out loud or so, cause he definitely has an arc where he goes from like novice to expert in, mm-hmm. from beginning to end. We get that. Um, but I think if we could have seen a little more of the journey, I would have been just slightly happier. That's all. Just slightly. Yeah. I have one more quick question before we wrap up. How okay. many protagonists do you think there are? Oh, yeah, because they make that mention. They said you're but one protagonist. Yeah. Um, there could be... And you got to think, like, when, when we first meet the protagonist, he doesn't know nothing. And he continues to grow. But then at some point in time, he goes backwards meets his other self. So theoretically that has another person that has been recruited and we know that there's a bigger picture one over there. So how many times have they gone through this revolving door to know exactly what's going to happen in all of these scenarios for both Robert Pattinson and the protagonist to be in the right spots to make sure that the next time the whatever bad outcome they may have had doesn't happen. I'm going to say uh, there are so many protagonists. <laughs> so, many. so many. Well, you couldn't possibly guess. It could be infinite. It could be, no. it could be just a couple. Two. Yeah. Yeah. It could, maybe it's just John. Or, yeah. John and Rob. I'm <laughs> going to say yes. Oh, get off. <laughs> get out of here. Okay. I'm done. Uh, okay. Um, um, I do want to say, I'll give, uh, uh, this is my last thing. Um, So there's not a lot of box office data. I think this movie will make over $10 million opening weekend, which should be the highest since the pandemic began. Um, Right now on the worldwide scale, it's already made 53 million, putting it at I was going to prompt you on that because that is from, for all accounts that I've read a phenomenal number. Yeah. I mean, uh, world. Yeah. I mean, it's number, it's the ninth movie worldwide. It's the, and, and um, every one of these other movies was released uh, in March or earlier. So, um, the yeah. only other movie that's been released that's up here um, since March is um, New Mutants, and it's in all the way down to number 29. Um, domestically, we don't have numbers for that yet, but right now the the highest grossing movie since the pandemic uh, undid it, like since August uh, movie started again, is Unhinged yeah. with New Mutants right behind it. But I think this is yeah. going to pass it. I agree, and I also have heard it discussed that this is going to – at least for this 
kind of we're almost in like a trial period for movies in the United States at least um uh, we're going to have to change the barometer for success for films mm-hmm. because yep. with a movie like Tenet well and really any movie that's coming out in the next couple months it's going to be hard to judge it by opening weekend because while you're right it will almost certainly have the biggest debut since the pandemic began it will probably still be less than what it would have made right Obviously, oh, yeah. it's going to have to be. But the legs on these films are going to be so much longer than they would have been previously because we talked about before the show, when I checked, when I was just looking through movie schedules for this weekend, it's almost every screen is Tenant or New Mutants because there's nothing else out. So they're devoting more screens to this and the lack of content is going to send more people to these movies. So it's going to rake in money for a long time so. And it might not seem like a big haul at first, but it could end up being quite large. I mean, it'll nickel and dime its way there, I think. It'll exactly. probably have like a $5 million weekend here, a $10 million weekend here. It might have like, you know, when movies, when theaters open up na- nationwide to a bigger scale, it might, you know, in week 10, have like a $30 million yeah. opening or weekend. I, I could be mistaken, but I'm fairly certain that the next big movie to open in the U.S. is, is supposed to be Wonder Woman. And that's still over a month away. So Tenet has almost no competition for an entire month. Yeah. Um, it's going it's it's to be, yeah, be slow going, but it's going to break in money. Um, the fact that and this is Labor Day weekend. And it's Labor Day weekend, but it's also a pandemic. It's all very weird right now because, yeah. you know, pandemic. whether or not you should even go to the movies, you'll get a uh, like almost violently different answer depending on who you talk to. And depending on where you are and depending on what, uh, like policies are in place. Yeah. I think it's still going to be very hard for anything. Um, unless move, unless, unless we get back over the 3000 theater count, it's gonna be very hard for anything to pass up bad boys for life right now. Mm-hmm. Um, as the highest grossing movie of the year, but yeah, uh, at least domestically, um, tenant's got a good shot on the worldwide scale though. So we'll see what happens. And wonder so, Woman too. um, we yeah, won't play, the letterbox game yet because um the movie is not even technically it just technically came out wide release so it's going to change but i will just say that it is currently on letterboxd at a 3.7 oh and on rotten tomatoes it has a uh, somewhat surprising to me higher audience score than a critic score um the critic score is 75 percent which is still very fresh and the audience score is 87 percent wow so it appears people, at least initially, are liking it a, just a smidge more than the critics did, even right. though they all are coming out, you know, on the on the positive side of of things. Yeah. yeah. What do you give it? So, upon first viewing and two days later, I think a four. That's exactly where I had landed. I was right at a four because I, I I really enjoyed it and I really want to like it more. Um, yeah. but I still think that even, even after I viewed a few more times, I still feel like it's not even gonna be my favorite Nolan movie. So, um, I think a four is fine, is, is, is good. High praise. Yeah. I feel good with four. Next. Are we gonna, what are you two bozos? What are we muted? Chicken over here. What are we muted? What's going on here? I'll sit here all night. All right, well, we're going to say it's a two from Garrett. 
and uh, and a three and a half from Andrew. Close. I'm going to give this one a four. Oh, there we go. No, it's like it's got it out of him. I I uh, I would ha- I would have to agree. This is not my favorite Nolan film, but it's not disappointing. Yeah, it doesn't have I, to be. Yeah. Gary, I think I was more disappointed by The Dark Knight Rises than this. Mm, I agree with that. No, sorry. I just hate that Andrew has to be told to go whenever he can just go. So go, boy. I was just waiting him out, and I'm glad no one actually told him to go, and he just did it. So uh, I, I, I agree with the four. Not my favorite Nolan movie. Um, I think that the fact that it is a little confusing, I think that uh, it knocks it a star for, my, for me. Just If you're going to create something that crazy, you got to make sure that people don't walk out super confused. And while I didn't, I think a lot of people will. Um, and I don't even think it's my favorite movie of the year. So four stars. It's a good movie. Very good. Yeah. Well, I uh, I think this is monumental that we had a, a complete consensus of a four. And we're not that far off the letterbox community. Mm-hmm. No, no. It'll be interesting to see how it adjusts when opening weekend audiences um, check it out um, if they want to. Yeah. And if uh, let us know what you would rate it, what you think in the comments below. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you go, if you if you go see Tenant this weekend or anything else, uh, please do it safely. Wear your mask. Wipe down your seat. You know, I, we went to AMC. A few of us did, and they had uh, disinfectant wipes at the door. I I took one and wiped my seat down anyway, um, just to feel a little extra safe. So, just don't be, don't 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 make it worse than it has to be. Wear your mask. And if you don't feel comfortable, that's okay. You don't have to. Then it will be there later. The pandemic's worse. Is as bad as it is. Don't make it worse. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Um, Follow us on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel. Subscribe to our podcast feeds and whatever your favorite podcasting app is. And of course, go like all our pages on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Letterboxd. We're on all of those fun things. Um, posting, posting articles, posting questions, posting links, all kinds of good stuff. So find us there and, uh, keep an eye on our channels to see what we're working on next till next time.